Hey, what's up, guys? It's Michael from The Honest Youth Pastor back again with another sermon review. Today, we are going to be looking at a sermon from someone called Charles Metcalf. He is the youth leader, youth director, whatever you want to call it, over at Transformation Church, Michael Todd's church. And today, the particular sermon we're going to be looking at, uh, Charles has come over to uh, Elevation Youth, yes, Elevation Church's youth, Stephen Furtick's youth group, uh, Elevation Youth, to give a sermon at a summer camp. Now, in case you're like, hold on, wait, oh, push the brakes. What is a sermon review? Well, if you're new here, sermon reviews each week, we look at a sermon from a variety of different people and say, okay, let's, let's just watch this through you and me, you and everyone else on the internet and say, okay, what, what are we doing here? Is the scripture they're using, are they actually using it correctly? Are they looking at cultural context, language? Are they uh, exegeting, which just means pulling out that, those sorts of truths from it and giving us an accurate picture of when it was written, who it was written by, uh, is it narrative? Is it, uh, is it poetic? Is it, you know, there's all sorts of different genres in the Bible. So are they treating that genre, you know, correctly? And then when they go to application, does it actually tie back to the scripture that they used in a way uh, that's appropriate because you can't just arbitrarily assign things to scripture and make it work. That doesn't work that way. And that's why we're looking at these di different types of sermons uh, because some people do that really well and some people do that pretty poorly. And these sermon reviews are to give you the tools to discern whether that's done well or if that's not done well. So this particular sermon that we're looking at is called To Be or Not To Be. It is a sermon that was given at a uh, youth summer camp. The particular youth summer camp, as I've already mentioned, is the Elevation Youth. Um, so I think we have all the, uh, the knowledge we need to know. If you do want to watch this sermon without my commentary, which I totally understand, that link will be in the description below. You can do that. And kind of watch it all the way through because we will not be able to get all the way through this sermon. Uh, this particular video is 58 minutes long and uh, we're only going to do this for roughly an hour and then we'll just kind of we'll wrap it up and uh, send you to the link so you can watch the rest of it. We're starting at five minutes and 21 seconds into this video because all the way up to this point, basically, uh, he's just praised Elevation Youth for what they're doing, talked about their pastors, uh, told them thank you for letting him be there, showed a picture of his family. And now at five minutes into the uh, service, we're actually getting into the sermon part, which is what we're concerned about, uh, the, the scripture and things that he uses. So with that being said, let's go. Let's get into it. Um, but are you ready for the word tonight? You ready for the word? Okay, I'm going to read uh, out of the Bible. Uh, you guys read out of the Bible here. Y'all do the Bible. The Bible's pretty dope. Okay, here's, here's what we're going to do. I got something crazy. Um, who has an actual physical Bible? If you have a real Bible, you're the first person I saw. Okay, after service, I need, I'm going to find you. I'll cash up you $100 because you have a real Bible. So that's true. Congratulations in the blue shirt. Real, but somebody's like, I should have brought my mom's Bible. God. She's like, sweetie, take my Bible. I'm like, mom, nobody brings real Bibles. You played yourself. Um, okay, so Matthew 28 is where we're going to be. Uh, Matthew 28, we'll start in verse 18. Uh, this is the amazing word of God. Okay, so um, anytime, and I want to start with this. So he's already given us the text he's, he's leading from, which is great because there are, uh, if you've watched any of the sermon reviews uh, up to this point that we've done, uh, there's a lot of different ways to intro into sermons. So yeah, he did the whole cash app $100 thing for somebody that bought the real Bible, but really this, he's not, there's not been a lot of things that have happened up before we read the text. So some people tell stories that kind of lead into the text they're telling. Some people start with the scripture. That's my preferred method, my preferred method. Um, and, you know, 
he, he starts off basically with letting us know, okay, this is what we're going to read. The particular text he's looking at is Matthew 28 is when Jesus is uh, giving kind of the great commission to his disciples. And whenever we get the text given to us by the pastor at the beginning, it's a great idea to actually turn there and read it, which he has encouraged them to do, which is great. And then say, okay, this is where we're going to be. This is what it looks like. And then ideally what would happen is we're going to read this and then we're kind of going to kind of dive in and say, okay, what is Jesus saying here? Who's he saying it to? Why is he saying it? What is the direction he's given? And then kind of work through that. So we're starting Matthew chapter 28. Um, let's go. This is what it says. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, my dad was always say, when you see it, therefore, you ask, what's that therefore? It's a dumb joke anyways. <laughs> Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. This is where I want to focus. And be sure of this. You can bet on this. Believe this. I am with you even to the end of the age. Oh, I lost all my pieces of paper. Um. The title of my sermon tonight, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes because it's like a fast pass when you get to heaven. You ever been to Six Flags and you had a fast pass? Like there's people waiting in the line and you're like, bloop, bloop, and they let you right in. You show them your notes to this sermon, they're going to let you right in, I promise. Uh, the title of the sermon is To Be or Not To Be. To Be or Not To Be. Could you join me? Could we pray real quick? And uh, we're going to jump right into this thing. Holy Spirit, this is your service. We, we have plans. We have ideas. The team has done an amazing job putting programming together, and we've had an amazing time of worship, and we've gathered together, and we're here in this moment, but it's not to hear me talk. It's not to just um, be in a room and stream it for a, a long amount of hours, Lord God. It's because we need an encounter with the only person who can heal our hearts. We need to meet with the one who created us. We just need some time with you. And uh, right now, I'm asking that you would talk to your children through me. I get out of the way. Um, I cancel my plans. And I just hope right now in these moments, somebody would hear your voice um, as if you were right next to them. That you would answer prayers that they haven't told anybody. That you would heal wounds that they don't even know that are there. And that your spirit would become evident through these moments. Lord, I thank you for every student in this room. I thank you that there's a powerful, powerful call on their life. Um, that they have been designed with beauty and intention and with a specific uh, idea in mind. And I pray that tonight you would just reveal a part of that to them. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. Um, so I grew up in, uh, in, in, I said that in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We moved okay, so before we start getting too far into this, I do want to kind of reorient our, our idea here, right? So we just read the Great Commission Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. We read through that. We, we heard what Jesus was telling his disciples, you know, the authority that had been given to him. Therefore, this is what he wants them to do. So let's see where we go from this, because um, what, what we're going to see, just to kind of give you an intro here, he's going to start telling a story about kind of his life. So this isn't in case you're new here, stories aren't terrible. What we're looking for when we're looking for illustrations and or stories is to say, okay, there, there must be something within the text that we just read that maybe needs some clarification, maybe needs some uh, be to be said in a different way in order for us to maybe see it uh, more clearly than uh, we may have just at first read. Sometimes, lots of times, 
youth pastors uh, do this in order to maybe bring it to a, a position in which the youth there, uh, the students would understand, oh, okay, this is what it means then, because maybe they're 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 just not seeing it through the lens that they should see it through and so telling a story or an illustration kind of helps get them to the place of where scripture what scripture is actually saying so he's about to get into a story here so let's listen to it this is the whole thing i'm going to let this play for a minute because again the whole point of the sermon reviews is to not be edited not to jump around not to take things out of context we're going to let this play all the way through and kind of listen and see okay is is what he's saying here is it helpful is it is it uh, you know, point us back to the text? Is it helping us see the text maybe in a light that we didn't see it on the first take? Um, so these are the things we're looking for, right? We're, what, we're, what we don't want to see is a story and illustration that makes us forget, <laughs> makes us forget the very thing we just read. So let's see kind of where we go with this. Moved around a little bit and I uh, played basketball. Has anybody ever played basketball before? You play basketball? If you haven't played basketball, it's all right. Um, here's a question I want to actually start with. Have you ever been under pressure? Raise your hand if you've ever been under pressure. Like just an intense moment, you know, you might be sweating a little bit. Got any palm sweaters in here? I dated a girl one time, her palms sweat real bad. And I'm not going to lie, I said God told me to break up with her, but it was the palms. I really reason I broke up with her. Uh, don't blame God on stuff. Just tell him. You know, that was bad. I probably did a lot of bad damage there. But anyways, um, so I, there's this one moment when I think about pressure that I'm reminded of, and I get a little anxious talking about it right now. Um, I was in eighth grade, and uh, I played basketball for Davidson Academy. Davidson Academy, I was a point guard, and we had our arch uh, nemesis, our team that we hated. I actually got in a fight with the other point guard on this team uh, in the middle of the game. We played them every year since sixth grade. So every year we would play them twice. It was called Good Pasture was the name of the team. We played them sixth grade, seventh grade, and this was eighth grade year. So we had played them multiple times, and every single year we went back and forth who won. They would win the first game, we would win the second game, and then they would win the next year and went back and forth. And so this is my eighth grade year. This is before we go into high school, and uh, we're about to play Good Pasture for the second time this year. And we get down to the end of the game, and it's a tight game, and I'm going off. You know, I was Allen Iverson back then. I used to cut my, before they made sleeves, because I was super short. Like, eighth grade, I was barely five foot tall. So they didn't make sleeves like Allen Iverson. If you don't know who Allen Iverson is, Google it. Um, but he's a basketball player. He wore a sleeve on his arm, and they didn't make sleeves that would fit me. So I would chop off the top of my dad's dress socks, and I was wearing a dress sock on my arm, but I was a thug, and I had a headband. So, um... Anyways, I'll dunk on any of y'all right now. Come on. Um, but I'm playing, and it's going, and it's the end of the game, and we're down by three. We're down by three, and it's the end of the game, and I'm like, okay. The coach gives me the ball. He draws up a play. He's like, Charles, this is on you. You got this. And I was like, all right, bet. Here we go. So we draw up the play. I cross the guy over. I drive. This is literally a movie. As I'm shooting the shot, I get fouled. The clock goes, man. And the layup, it's like rolling and it rolls in. And everybody's like, ah! And guess what I start doing? I start bawling, crying. I immediately, I was like, oh my God. I'm going to have to shoot these free throws. Because here's the thing. I was horrible at free throws. So we're down by one. I have two free throws to shoot. If I make one, we tie the game. If I make both, we win it, I get the girl, I ride off into the sunset. I'm the gangster of the eighth grade school. I get up to the free throw line, and I'm doing the ugly cry, you know, with the one you're like. <laughs> and I'm literally, it's so embarrassing. At this point, I'm like. 
Okay, so one thing we do want to look at here, and um, I think this is important for at any point in any sermon for anybody, but um, if our illustrations and or stories are, uh, one, if our illustrations or stories are longer than the very text we read, uh, as far as even kind of giving context leading up to the text we read, like if our stories are longer than the text we've read, that's probably problematic because it shouldn't take longer to explain the text you read via story than just to explain the text. Secondly, if our stories are all about us and pointing back to us and all about our stuff, they might sound personable and relatable, but really I want you to see kind of where all of our attention is. Right now, we know we read Matthew 28, 18, but like our focus isn't even close to that. In most cases, especially in youth ministry, our focus is now not, it's not even tethered in most cases to what we read. Now we're focused all about on Charles's story about how he's about to shoot three throws. So yes, he's engaging in regards to like, now we're kind of in the story with him. We're hoping he makes the free throws. What's gonna happen? Stay tuned next time, right? But... What about Matthew 28? Like, <laughs> are we ever going to get back there? Like, what is this? What purpose does this serve to sort of show us what Matthew 28, 18 is about? Now, I know what you're thinking. Let him finish the story. Okay, that's fine. Fair point. But we've talked about more on this story here than we than it took to actually read the text. So, Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's let him, I'll let him finish the story here and let's see what happens. This is ridiculous. You should just leave. Just don't even shoot the free throws. I do my little routine, shoot the first one. I bricked it, just shot off real bad. And so at this point I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and go die. This is not, this is not gonna work. I'm just panicking, I'm panicking. I'm like, okay, just make one. You can make one shot, like you can do it. Just calm down, Charles. My dad literally, this is so embarrassing. He's literally like, Charles, calm down. He's like up in the stage, like, take a breath, son. You're okay, calm down. I'm like doing my little dribble routine. I shoot the second free throw. You guessed it, I bricked it, we lose the game. <laughs> it, was, it was devastating, it was very devastating, so devastating that I quit basketball. <laughs> no cap, that's a real, this is real childhood trauma we're talking about today. I didn't play on an official basketball team ever again because in that moment, um, I missed my moment, like this was it. This was the moment where if you're really built for this stuff, if you're really about it, if you really got it in you, you would have made those shots. And the pressure of the moment got to me. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And really it wasn't the pressure of um, the school. It wasn't the pressure of my friends who were watching. It wasn't even the pressure of the crowd. Um, it was something I want to talk about tonight, which is the pressure of potential. Okay, so he's introed his point. Now, he, he, he told a whole story about the pressure that he was facing, and then he said, what I want to talk to you about tonight is the pressure of potential. Now, one of the things I want to look at in any sermon you listen to is, and we've talked about this before in sermon reviews, is the text used in the sermon, is it used as the base of the entire building that you're going to build, or is it used as a dive, like a diving board at a pool where it's just really more of a jumping off point to get to the bigger, the bigger pool of whatever you want to talk about? 
because that is primarily the two ways that you'll see pastors use scripture. It is either the foundation on which everything else is laid, or it is like sort of a box to be checked off of. We're going to use that to get your attention, and then we're going to jump into what I really want to talk about. So the what he's talking about, obviously the title of the sermon is to be or not to be, but he said, what I want to talk to you about is the pressure of potential. So let's see what he means by that. You see, what was so nerve? Did you hear that guy in the background? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Nerve-wracking was not that I was going to shoot the shot, but that I was good enough to make the shot. The pressure was not that I wasn't good enough. It was the fact that I actually was good enough. It was that it was our, my greatest fear was not that I wasn't good enough to make the shot. My greatest fear was that I had the potential to make the shot. I was the only person who would have been most qualified to be in that moment. And I still didn't live up to my potential. And I think many of us, our greatest fear is not that there's not greatness in the inside of us. But maybe it's that I feel like there's something actually there. And the greatest fear would not be that nothing's there, but that it is. And I never reach my potential. I never, I never reach it. I never reach my potential. Because if I don't reach my potential, I'll never reach my purpose. You see, they say the. Okay, so one of the things I think that is a good tip anytime you listen to a pastor speak is if you eliminate the scripture from this presentation, one, could the thing stand all by itself anyway? Um, could it just be its own speech if I eliminated the scripture and still be a good speech? Um, and if that if that's a yes, that's a problem, right? Because the, the idea is that as pastors and preachers, we're supposed to be uh, opening the word of God and teaching the word of God. And it's supposed to be intertwined in everything we're saying. Like that's, that's the, that's the point. I mean, anybody can get up on a stage and give some motivational speech and talk about whatever, make you a better person, uh, have better, you know, have better confidence. They could get up there and encourage you. They could do all sorts of things without ever mentioning scripture. So and this is classically been called like, you know, TED Talk Christianity. You may have heard the term before. The idea is that you get up and it's basically a TED Talk uh, with occasional scripture sprinkled in. So if you, could, if you could listen to a sermon, like if we were to take this sermon or any sermon and cut out the scriptural references and then just still edit that together, would it still be like, could you still understand what was being said? Like, could you still present that as a, as a, as a talk? Because what we're seeing right now is if we cut off the text and Matthew at the beginning and start you at the beginning of his story and lead all the way up to this point, this could stand by itself as a good intro to how to get to your potential. I mean, so far. So let's keep going. Again, I, I just want you to see that. I'm not, uh, as I've said in all the sermon reviews, I said at the beginning of this one, this is for teaching and training. Maybe I didn't say that at the beginning, but this is what this is for. This is what all these sermon reviews are for, teaching and training. And the idea is that, you know, this isn't to dog on Charles. This is just to say that if, if, if we started at his story and got up to this point, would we even know this was a sermon? So let's keep going. The graveyard is the richest place because it's full of purpose never reached. It's full of ideas. It's full of solutions. It's full of, of problems to be solved. It's full of people who had potential, 
but the pressure of the moment, the pressures of life, they didn't end up reaching their potential. And I always felt like through life that if I didn't reach my potential, I, w- I would never reach my purpose. If you, can't, if you can't live up to this moment, if you can't make two free throws, you'll never do anything bigger than that. You'll never reach what you're really supposed to do if you can't even live up to your potential, if you can't even do what the thing is you're supposed to do. You can't, you can't even pass that grade. You can't even get a, a friends to like you. You'll never be married. You can't, you can't get somebody to, to follow you. You'll never be influential. You can't, you can't get outside of that neighborhood. You'll never graduate. There are things inside of us that I want to talk about, the pressure of your potential. I want to be very clear. Some of you feel like, man, that's not me because I I don't feel like there's greatness on the inside of you. Can I tell you, you don't have a choice but to have greatness on the inside of you. Okay, so that's an interesting. Somebody said, he said, you might not, you might feel like you don't have greatness inside of you. And then he followed it up with, you don't have a choice but to have greatness inside of you. So let's see what he means by that. Let's let him flesh that out because that's a big claim and we, we have to say, okay, this is sort of a, a kind of a stick it to you point, which you can tell because of how the audience reacts. Clapping, oh yeah. So he's going he's gonna to kind of flesh this out. So whenever this happens in a sermon, what we have to say is, does the scripture back up what this statement is? Or do they use scripture to back up their statement? So let, let's look at that. You may not recognize it, but you, you don't have a choice because the King of Kings forms you. The, the Lord of Lords put his DNA on the inside of you. There's no choice but greatness to be on the inside of you. You just wake up with greatness. Live, Take a breath. That's greatness on the inside of you. He said he breathed his breath into Adam. There are certain things my boy Arlo has. In- okay, so what he so he's not differentiating between the imago dei which is all of us being created in the image of god and also us being adopted into the family of god um, and this is something that happens quite a bit honestly i've seen it a lot more recently than maybe in the past but there's this fusion of the two so there's this there's this th- theological truth that we we see throughout scripture which is that we are all created in the image of God. So every human has worth and value and dignity because we're created in the image of God. But there's not a separation made between being created in the image of God and being the child of God. Now we see throughout scripture verses that that point to you are adopted into the family of God. You are now children of God because of belief in Jesus. So there is a there is a differentiation there, which means that we treat everyone with love, dignity, and respect because we know that they are made in the image of God. This is why, for example, Christians are 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 pro-life. They 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 were against abortion. Why? Because that baby in the womb is made in the image of God and is it has worth and dignity. Um, and then there's this differentiation that we don't make uh, lots of times within Christianity. Like it's just kind of lost because of poor theological teaching, but that there are, there are people that are now in the family of God that have been adopted into the family because of Jesus and our belief in him. And there is a difference between just being made in the image of God, which means we all, we are all have worth, dignity, and value versus being adopted into the family by belief in Jesus. So hopefully you can see there's, there is a differentiation there. So the fact that you wake up with greatness, ah, that's greatness, right? Adam, you know, God breathed life into Adam. Like there, there is a difference there. So what is, what's damaging? Like this is why it's problematic. So let's get to that. Why is it problematic? Because you may be in saying what you're saying, giving confidence to people, 
to say, oh, God is in me um, when they haven't believed in Jesus in the first place, which is problematic because now I assume I'm in this family when I haven't, when I'm not in this family. I haven't believed and trusted in Jesus and therefore I've not been adopted in, but you just told me that I am, I'm in the family. Like I have greatness inside of me. So there, there is a, th this is again, right? This is why the presentation of the gospel is so important so that people do understand the difference of being in Christ, being adopted into the family of God versus just being made in the image of God, which is an incredible truth in and of itself, but that doesn't automatically make us in the family of God. So hopefully that was clear. In him, not because he chose it, not because he decided at two years old, I'm going to have curly hair, not because at two years old, he decided that I'm going to, when I get loud, I'm going to get a little country. I don't know how he just got it in his DNA because of who his dad is. You have greatness on the inside of you, whether you recognize it or not. And the fear of many of us is, is that we would have the potential to be great. We'd have the potential to do a lot of things, but we wouldn't reach our purpose. I want to talk about this word purpose for a moment. This is a big word. This is a word that plagues a lot of us. Purpose. What, what is purpose? What is my purpose? Why was I created? Why was I born? Why was I born into that family at this time? What is my purpose? Mark Twain, he says that the two greatest days of someone's life is the day they're born and the day they figure out why. You see, purpose is one of those things that plagues humanity, and, and it's really... I've said this before in I, I, a couple of sermon interviews, not a lot of them, but you'll see pastors use quotes from a variety of different people for a variety of different reasons, obviously. Now, there are things that we go, okay, someone that, you know, as far as I, as far as I know, Mark Twain was not a Christian. He was a pagan. And not that that de, you know, devalues his wisdom, but it does show us that there are certain lenses in which he sees things. So, uh, his, his definition of what one's purpose in life would be would differ from what the Bible says our purpose is, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, which he, Charles does get to. But whenever somebody quotes people, it's important to kind of say, okay, who is this person they're quoting? Why are they quoting them? And are they even using the quotation in a way that would make sense that the person that said it, you know, would have attributed to kind of the topic that we're talking on? Um, it's not a huge thing it's not even a red flag really but it's important to 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 look at that because in the preparation of this sermon presentation um the pastor that's presenting it in this case charles has sat down and purposefully found that quote uh whether through research and diligence or just googling it who knows either way um it's it's made its way into this sermon and therefore it, it does hold weight and it does kind of communicate importance so it's important to not just hear, but in all sermons that we listen to. Okay, so if you're quoting someone, why are you quoting them? Is that person a follower of Jesus? Are they not? How does that affect our understanding uh, of what they're saying? These are all important questions. Again, not to get so overburdened with them that we, we don't focus on what's being said, but this is where taking notes is important, where we kind of jot that down and say, okay, we're going to kind of look into that later um, because that, that is affecting how we're viewing the sermon, the topic, right? Let's keep going. One of the questions that all of us have on the inside of us, you're at YouthX, you're, you're watching wherever you're watching from and you're thinking, what, 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 there's something in this moment, I wanna figure out why I was born or, or what's on the inside of me or what am I going to do for God? 
And I was talking to God one day. I was, God I was like, why is purpose one of the biggest things that we all struggle with? Why is the world asking what is my purpose? Why does it seem so difficult? And God said so clearly, he said, Charles, purpose isn't difficult, but it is different. You see, there are things that we perceive as difficult, but they're not difficult. They're just different. There are some of So he didn't say, and this again, this is really just me here. You could take this or leave it. But um, he basically just claimed that God audibly talked to him, which depending on what tradition you come from within Christianity, may be an automatic nope or maybe an automatic yeah. So, so again, it's important to listen for those sorts of things. Uh, if the pastor's like, hey, I was talking to God one day and God audibly told me, which again, Charles didn't say audibly, but God told me this or that. It's important to say, okay, does that line up with scripture? Do, or does it not? If he's claiming it came from God and it doesn't line up with scripture, how does that work? Um, it's, these are important things to think about. Of you that where you live, you drive on the other side of the road than where we do in America. And I would think that's insane to drive on that side of the road. But it's not insane, it's just different. And because it's different, it's perceived as I could never do that. Purpose is not difficult, but it is different. It's different than the pattern of this world. It's different than how your family raised you. It's different than how your uncle and them told you it would go. It's different than what your teacher said. It's different than what your coach said. It is different because they didn't form it. They didn't create you. They didn't form you before you were in your mother's womb. So they can't speak to your purpose. So when we find ourselves under the pressure of potential and trying to reach our purpose, we have to stop and ask, what is purpose really? What is purpose really? In at this point, I just want to stop us. We're uh, at minute mark 18.07. We started this video at about five minutes in. So we're, we're a good ways into the sermon. And we have not once went back to reference Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Now he's about, he's got in, he's, he's given us a little story, given us kind of what he wants to look at, the pressure of potential. And now he's going to look at the different, he's, he's already stated that potential and purpose are different. Now he's going to look at purpose and define that. Um, I've already watched this all the way through, so I know how this ends. But um, really what we're looking for the entire time we're listening to a sermon is, okay, what, where is this building for us to get back to what we were listening to at the beginning? Because again, the question is, like, is the passage we used at the beginning, is that a diving board into potential and purpose? Like very arbitrary? Or is it the founding thing that we're building all of this potential and purpose on? Because either way, like now we're just like, what, what about Matthew 18 <laughs> or 20? What about Matthew 28? Like, why do we even read that? So let's let him break down here purpose. And I found that many times, and, and even after I missed two free throws, after I failed in the pressure of potential, I went into performing mode. I wasn't on the team, but I went into the mode of, I'm going to show you, like, I won't be on the team, but catch me at PE and bet that I will hit every shot in your face because I'm going to show you what I can do. And many of us find ourselves in a place where because we feel like there's greatness, we're in this mode of doing and performing and proving that 
No, there is greatness on the inside of me, and I can be different, and I won't be like my dad who left my family. And I I'll be different, then. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what's on the inside of me. And um, the issue with potential that I have, and I just want to talk about potential for a moment, because I always thought the goal was to reach your potential. I always thought, like, my coaches say, Charles, you've got a lot of potential. And what they were saying is there's a lot of possibility. There's a lot you could do. And I always thought I was supposed to reach my potential. I always thought that potential was the thing that was like, don't leave anything on the inside of you that's undone. Don't, you got to die, all these different things. And I started asking myself, am I supposed to reach my potential? Like, I know this is kind of throwing you off right now, but do you know Jesus did not reach his potential. But let's talk about what is potential. Potential is everything you could do. Everything you could do that is on the inside of you. So how much... So that's not actually a very... Okay, so potential is reaching the pinnacle of your ability, right? That, that's, that's the definition of potential, right? So let me just get it straight out for you so there's no confusion. We're not confused about, you know the definition because he's going to give us one but let's look this up real quick definition of potential okay so that we know so potential is having or showing the capability of becoming or developing into something in the future so having the capability to become something in the future so did jesus reach the thing that he could have become if he would have went all the way out Right. If, if, if he would have reached his potential, so everything he was capable of doing. Yeah. So Charles is going to give an example here in a minute of, you know, he didn't heal all the people he could have healed. He didn't do all the things he could have done. That's not the definition of potential. Potential is did you reach the pinnacle of your your ability? So Jesus' ability was to be able to heal. I mean, he could heal people. So, yeah, he did. Jesus was, uh, as, along with a lot of other things, a teacher, and he taught very well. Like, there's a lot of things that Jesus was capable of doing that he did, he did to, to the full potential of what he was able to do. So the examples, and we're going we're gonna to watch the examples here, but pastors do this a lot. A lot of shock jock preachers do this a lot to where they'll, they'll throw out this, this like line that everybody goes, oh, I don't know if that's true or not. Like it's like a clickbait. It's basically YouTube clickbait. That's all it is to where now you're dialed in going, oh, that was, that was like, that was racy right there. Wow. I don't know. Is that true? Like to get you kind of in and to also give a little jab to like three Theo bros online. They're like theology, right? So they, it, it's two pronged, right? So let's see what he says about this and about Jesus's potential. How much does the creator of the universe have on the inside of him that he could do? He comes to this earth he lives a perfect life. At 30, he starts doing ministry. How much potential does Jesus have at 30 as fully God and fully man? How many miracles could Jesus have done? He could have snapped his fingers and everybody. He, Jesus could have done a lot, but Jesus did not reach his potential. Jesus died on the cross not having reached his potential. So see what I'm saying? So like he's giving the examples of Jesus could have snapped his fingers and healed everybody. And that would have been the full potential. 
but that's not the definition of potential. It's did you reach the pinnacle of your ability? Okay, so it's not the quantity, it's the quality, if that makes sense. But anyway, we're just mincing words here. There's no point to belabor the point. My point in pointing this out is that he's saying it in order to grab your attention and to be like a, like a shock value. That's why he's doing it. I know this is messing with some of your theology, but, but, but Jesus fulfilled his purpose, not his potential. And many of us are walking around. So this is the last thing I'll say about it. Did you see like everyone's reaction to that? Like, so without actually thinking through that, everybody's like, oh, no, Charles is right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like he gave one example that I didn't even test in my head, but he's totally. Yeah. Wow. This is very insightful. All right. Let's go. Trying to fulfill our potential. And here's the bad thing about it. We use scriptures to fulfill our potential. First, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But are you supposed to be doing all things? All things? I can do, yeah, and what we think it says is anything. I can do anything I want in the name of God because I'm going to reach my but are you supposed to be doing all things? Because all things can get out of hand. COVID, all things, people were starting all types of podcasts and people was out here doing Zoom trainings. And I know you ain't even good at that. Now you got a Zoom class and we can pay $3.99 to get in your class. <laughs> all things? Can I tell you, your purpose and potential are not the same. So I'll just sit right there. So he threw scripture out and this is, we'll just use this as an example. And we've said this before, actually, in a variety of different sermons. So um, there are times where obviously you want to, as a pastor, go to other places in scripture to say, uh, to demonstrate that there is a line of thought throughout scripture that lines up with the particular scripture and point that you're in right now. Um, what we have to ask as congregants when we listen to that is the scripture they're pulling from actually backing up what they're claiming it's backing up or is it not right are we are we ripping a verse out of context to make it look like it's coherent with our point or is it actually coherent with the point and um if it's not then then it's obviously pretty problematic so we could go, we could do a whole thing on the Philippians verse about the context that Paul's talking about, what he's actually saying. We don't, obviously don't have time for that right now. But that's what you want to look at. And that's why you're, it's important to take notes uh, while you're, you know, while you're listening to a sermon so that you can go back and double check that later. So you can sit there and go, okay, Philippians, da, da, da. so when you're going back and double checking what Charles is saying, that you can say, okay, was this Philippians passage, what's the context of it? What's Paul talking about? Does it at all connect with what, um, what Charles is saying here in his sermon? And if not, that's one of those things, again, where you, where you say, okay, well, if it didn't, why did he use that then? Like, so again, we don't have time to get into it, but that's, these are the things you want to look at. We're going to look for because how he's using this passage without getting into a huge thing of it, go look it up yourself. Please don't just take my word for it, but he's not using it correctly within the context of not only his sermon, but within the, the context of how Paul is talking about it in Philippians. But go, 
if, if you have any questions about it, just go read it yourself. Um, and you'll, you'll see what I, hopefully you'll see what I'm saying there. Just because you could do it doesn't mean you should do it. There's a lot of things that Jesus could have done on this earth. There are a lot of th- miracles Jesus could have done, but there were specific assignments that Jesus had, and he died knowing that I don't have to reach my potential if I fulfill my purpose. If I fulfill my purpose, Jesus had a specific purpose on this earth. Okay, so there. Okay, so even even if up to this point we've ignored Matthew 28 verse 18. Even if we've talked about purpose and potential all the way up to the 22 mark, 22 minute mark in this sermon. He just said that Jesus had a specific purpose. Jesus came to earth for a specific purpose. He fulfilled that purpose. So this can still be savvy, salvaged because we can talk about Jesus' purpose. We can talk about his life, death, burial, resurrection. Also, kudos to Charles here in the sense that he did slip some really solid theology in as far as Jesus being 100% man, uh, 100% God, living a perfect life. Like He's, he's, he's mentioned those things, which is great uh, because they have been slipped in here for people to hear, even if, and again, you can't flesh those out you know, within a sermon. They'd be their own sermon, but he has put those in there. So I want to give him credit where credit's due because a lot of pastors don't put that, that, that solid theology in there, uh, in regards to those, those terms. But now we have the opportunity to present the gospel. What was Jesus's purpose then? If he came and lived a perfect life, fully God, fully man, what was his purpose? Like, are we going to talk about the wrath of God? Are we going to talk about Jesus dying in our place for our sins on the cross, raising again in defeat of sin and death so that we can then be adopted into the family of God through belief in Jesus and be transformed our hearts and our minds by the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. Is that what we're going to talk about? Because we have this perfect opportunity to walk right into that. Let's see. And many of us are so distracted and so anxious because of your potential. All the stuff you could be doing. Man, well, am I supposed to, I could be going to this school or I could be, I could be playing that sport. Or am I supposed to play this sport? Or am I supposed to, I'm smart and I can play sports. Okay, I'm supposed to be smart and I'm supposed to be doing this. And this is what my family's always done. And so I'm supposed to go over here. And we're anxious and we're praying all these prayers to God of, can I do this or should I do that? Or can I do both? Or I don't know if, it, and we're anxious trying to do something that Jesus didn't do. You, Jesus didn't reach his potential. And that messed with me, y'all, because it meant that there was stuff I could do that was good, but it wasn't God. Oh, you didn't know there's a lot of good stuff going on that ain't God. So let me just spoil this for you. We don't get into the gospel. We actually, he chooses to go this way with it. So this is the thing, again, looking at this as a total, not just at Charles, though this is obviously the example we're using today. As a whole, there are going to be times within the sermon, even if it's not planned by the pastor, that are perfect opportunities to speak about the gospel to the people that you're in front of. Now, the assumption, I think far too often with pastors, is that the people they're talking to understand the gospel, are Christians, don't need that part explained, and really what they're going to do now is encourage just the believers, which is great because to be fully transparent, my belief of what church, if you're at a church service on Sunday, the assumption is 
these a majority of these people are believers. They are here to be built up, to equip, encourage, and be sent out. That's the idea. Now, this is a youth camp, a summer camp. I, my my me going in as a speaker to a summer camp. My assumption is it's probably a 50-50 split. Even those that claim Christ probably aren't real like solid in their faith and understanding. So with that knowledge, obviously I'm going in there with the idea of kind of explaining theology a little bit, presenting the gospel and doing sort of a twofold idea here because you're talking to a pretty mixed crowd uh, as far as belief systems go. Now, Charles takes apparently the other approach here. It's a summer camp uh, for youth. He, he seems to be leaning pretty heavily on all, all of you guys know who Jesus is. Um, oh, he doesn't take the door that he could take to present the gospel. In fact, now he's going into, there are a lot of good things that aren't God things in which again, a lot of people are like, yes, this is amazing without thinking about it for two seconds. Um, but let's let him finish the point here. Um, and then we're going to wrap up this video, this sermon review, because I don't want to go too much over an hour. We're already at like about a 45 minute mark. So let's let him finish up a couple points here and then we'll kind of wrap it all up. And then I'll encourage you to go watch the rest of the sermon uh, and kind of see how it ends. Kind of you see, OK, where does he take this? So let's let's let him finish and then we'll wrap this video up. Here's, let me help you. The difference between potential potential is everything you could do. Purpose are the things God has graced you to do. I want to help you because nobody explained this to me when I was your age. Nobody talked to me about there are things that just in your natural ability you could do, but then there are certain things that God has graced you to do. There are certain things that there is a unique assignment on your life. There's a unique favor that when you do it, it seems easy to you, but everybody else is like, oh my gosh, that is crazy. How do you do that? Those things that you think, oh, I just kind of thought about that or you don't think that way. Those are the things God has graced you to do. But because you have talent, because you have other, there are other things that you just could do. And this is the moment where a lot of believers, a lot of students, myself, was distracted by good things that weren't God. You know everybody's not called to be a missionary, right? But that's a good thing. But sometimes it's not the graced thing for you. You know, there are a lot of great, good-looking people in the world, but you're not graced for all of them. You're graced to be with one of them. There are a lot of there are girls, there may be a lot of good-looking dudes at your school, but just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. There are a lot... Some of y'all, multi-sport athletes, there are a lot of good, you could go play basketball, football, do tennis, and you could do all of it, but there's, some, there's, there's one area that God has graced you to do. Now, the, the million-dollar question is, um, so I'm not supposed to reach my potential. Okay, that, that sounds insane, but okay, I'll go with you on that. I'm, not, I'm supposed to fulfill my purpose. So what is my purpose? Well, I think... Okay, so we have another opportunity here. <laughs> we have another opportunity to to present the gospel and what is my purpose, right? So there's lots, obviously this question has been asked throughout time by all of humanity because there is this, I mean, we, we all know there's there's something that we can do. There's something we can accomplish. There is There surely is an end to this, not just this mundane everyday thing, right? Um, and this is where... Um, 
like catechisms have come into play, right? So catechisms are just the church has sat down and said, okay, let's look at scripture and answer basic questions of life, right? So what is what is the chief purpose of man? Why is man created? Um, why does sin exist? How does you know? There, there's there's a whole bunch, right? Um, and and these have existed for a long time. There's lots of different ones. There's lots of different catechisms, but they all point back to basically the same answers to all those questions. Um, and it's important to look at that throughout history because the churches, the churches asked these questions before, right? So I, what I'm getting at here is if you look at, and I'm just going to reference the, the, uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism because I, I really enjoy that one. But question 10 is, uh, um, how did God create man? And the answer to that is God created man, man, male and female, after his own image in knowledge, righteousness, holiness, and dominion over creation. Right? That was how did God create man? Now, the very first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is what is the chief end of man or what is the chief purpose of man? And the answer to that is man's chief purpose and end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, why do I point to that? Well, I point to that for a couple of different reasons, because these questions have already been asked and the church has said, looking at scripture, this is what we see to be the answer to these, these deep internal questions of humanity. So all of that to wrap back around, Charles is presenting a question that has been asked and is asked by every human being at some point on, on, while that we're alive. What is my purpose? And what he could do is he could do as the catechisms have throughout history and say, well, looking at scripture, this looks to be why we were created, how we were created and what for purpose we were created for. Now, again, he doesn't have to reference the catechisms. The catechisms are just simply a categorization of scripture to answer questions. He could just refer to the scripture that the catechism points to to answer that question. Like he doesn't have to get all, you know, heady with everybody and say the catechism says. Like he doesn't have to say that. He can just point to the scripture that the catechism points to to where it got its answer, right? Let's see if he does that real quick and then we're going to kind of wrap this up. Um, with the scripture of... Um Philippians 4.13, we use this scripture to kind of just do whatever. Like this is the scripture that's you write on the side of your shoes, that you slap above your, uh, your, your, your team. You walk out, you're like, yeah, we do all things through Christ. And it's like, man, you didn't practice. Y'all are probably going to lose that game. It's not God's fault. Uh, <laughs> like that was me. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do all things. It's like, no, you're not that good, man. Like you can't do this. They're better than you. Um, and then you're like, God, where are you? And he's like, you're just not good. It's not that's not. It's not, it's not my fault. You're short. Like it's just, that's just how it rolled out. Um, but the reason that we have to talk about the difference between potential and purpose is because the pattern of the world follows potential. The pattern of the world follows that you should do everything you could do. This is where you get hustle culture. This is where you are grinding. This is where you better make money where you can. This is where you, like, this is the culture of, yeah, do everything. You got a marketing thing. I got this Instagram. I got three different things I'm doing on the side. And the problem is the focus of potential is doing. It's just, it's just doing a lot. But if potential is doing, is your purpose doing? Now, these are questions, some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? These are, uh, these are questions that you have to ask. Is 
my purpose, what God created me to do, is the foundation of it, what I can do for God. Okay, so we'll stop there because this is actually a hinge to where he goes into a whole nother point that you can watch if you watch if you click in the, the link below and go to the the, the whole sermon because this he kind of turns and if we get into this point we're not going to be able to wrap this up where we need to wrap it up so what i want you to see here as we end this is that lots of times especially in um Sometimes in youth ministry, sometimes in adult ministry, I guess it doesn't necessarily get pegged down in a particular place, but a lot of younger, you know, oriented ministries focus on this because younger people are always talking about what's my purpose? What's my potential? Did I miss it? Oh no. And you try to zero in on like this, this particular thing, like you're really good at something and that should be your purpose or you're really good at this. I mean, you've seen this throughout his sermon and you don't look at the the general overarching things that we see in scripture as we talked about to the answer of of the first question of the catechism what is the chief purpose of man well the chief purpose of man is to glorify god um and that's a very general purpose that could literally be lived out in 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 anything in the most mundane of jobs that could be lived out because what we want is like this particular thing we want to be told like a list and that's just simply not how scripture lays it out. So what we've seen here, and, and I would encourage you 100%, like make some time, click on the link below. If you need to start at a minute mark 2632, where we end here, or if you just want to watch the thing from the beginning to end without this whole stop and start commentary, however you choose to do it, please go watch this whole sermon using the tools that we've looked at here, right? The scripture we're looking at, the scriptures that he's pulling in, are they used within context of how it was originally written? Are we even looking at like what's going on? Like, I don't want to run it for you, <laughs> but we don't, like he never gets back to Matthew 28, 18 in the full realization of what Jesus tells his disciples to do, which ironically is the purpose of Christians everywhere, which is to go forth and to spread the good news, teaching him what he taught them, right? We just, we never get back to that. Um, and, and that's what we need to look for in sermons. Like the text that's used, is it the foundation that everything else is built on? Or is it like this arbitrary jumping board into a pool of whatever the pastor wants to talk about? In this case, potential versus purpose. I get where he's coming from in regards to wanting to give these students some direction in a life that probably seems pretty directionless. Um, in my interactions with students, either in person or online, I, I get that a lot. There's people that are just searching for what am I supposed to do? Like, there's so many options. There's so many people pulling on me. Like, what am I supposed to do? And this is where I, I really have found like, you know, catechisms to be helpful in answering these really hard questions that students have in life. This is where more importantly than any catechism ever, this is where I would push you to read scripture just to see what God has said in his word. Um, and if you don't know where to start, start in Luke, read all the way through Luke, read into Acts. Like these are basically like they're the companion texts, part one, part two. You'll see the gospel in Jesus' ministry and his life, death, burial, resurrection. And then you'll see the effect on the early church in Acts and what that looks like. Um, but be in the word, like don't just assume that some very witty phrase or some like, you know, shock phrase is like really good without questioning it against what scripture says. And when you listen to sermons, there's going to be things that you hear that sound good that aren't biblical. 
that aren't based on on the Bible. Now, to end this, I do want to say, I'm not saying one way or the other, you know, Charles, you know, um, I think he loves Jesus. I think that's pretty apparent. Um, I just think that in this particular sermon, I've never heard him preach anywhere else, but in this particular sermon, I think that uh, exegetically this, I mean, it's not, I can't even say it's not done well because we didn't even try. Like we didn't even try to look at that scripture in a contextual way and really dig out the truths of what we see in the Great Commission. So I can't say it's a wreck because we didn't even give it a shot. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't recommend this is good advice for sure. I think what we have um, within scripture is much better advice about our purpose and our potential and all of those sorts of things. So hopefully this was helpful for you guys. If you're looking for other sermon reviews, there will be a card somewhere here that will get you to the playlist. You can click on that and look at all of the other sermons we did. Uh, hopefully those give you tools that are helpful in order to listen to all of the different sermons that come in front of us and say, is this biblical? Is this not biblical? And who should I listen to? And who should I learn from? That's the purpose of these teachings. So hopefully this was helpful, guys. I'll talk to you later.